Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. This morning, this morning was a whole nother day. Amen. It was, I actually had prepared to minister on this and the Lord just um, redirected me um, because we need the strength to be able to do what we're going to talk about tonight. And the strength is from our joy. And we've been rejoicing tonight. Amen. We are acting on what we heard this morning. So uh, tonight I want to continue talking about the increase of God. When I was with you a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how to expect the increase and that we set our dial, our expectation dial on increase. And we even took some scriptures home with us, didn't we? And we've been feeding on those scriptures. We've been feeding on how our 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 end will greatly increase. Our latter end will greatly increase. How God shall increase us more and more. He will increase our greatness and comfort us on every side. And so we've been feeding on that increase so that we can um, operate in the plan of God. The plan of God demands the increase of God. You can't bankroll the plan of God for your life. you You don't have enough in your own natural finances to be able to supply what God wants to do in your life. And when we're talking about increase, I don't want you to only see finances because the increase of God covers every area of our life. We need to increase in wisdom. We need to increase in strength. We need to increase in maturity. We need to increase in the stability that God has for us. So it's not just finances, yet I don't want you to leave finances out of it either. I want you to recognize that part of the plan of God requires that we increase financially. And so with that, let's look at Luke chapter 4. And Jesus is talking about the reason that God has anointed him in verse 18. Luke 4 and verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. So we're going to find out the purpose for the anointing and for the Holy Spirit coming as a partner in the work of God upon Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the anointing came upon Jesus to preach things that would affect change in people. The preaching of the gospel still affects change in us. 
And there are things for us to enter into, they have to be preached to us. The boldness and the anointing has to come on an anointed vessel of God to speak forth and to utter forth those things. There are utterances that move us into things. There are utterances that give us entrance to be able to to act on that utterance, to be able to have the faith that comes by hearing those things proclaimed under the anointing of God. And often when I talk about righteousness, I use that example, that there's a legal side of righteousness and there is a vital side. And vital means living. If you take your vitals, you're finding out the, the statistics, the vitals, vital statistics that, that show your condition of life. Well, the vital side of righteousness is the side that's in operation in your life today. So there are things that are legally yours that may not be in manifestation in your life. They're still yours. They're yours legally because the word of God has made them a part of your inheritance, has made it a part of your covenant provision. Yet, because it's not in manifestation, there is a lot of people who just give up and say, well, it must not be for me. God, if God wanted me to have it, he would... He's already given it to us in the word. He's already given it to us in the legal side. I can look at my legal document and find out that belongs to me. But bringing it into manifestation in my life requires faith. I've got to use the operation of faith to bring it into manifestation. I have to act on it. I have to believe it. I have to to uh, come into agreement with what the Word of God says, even if I don't see it. Those applications help bring in legally into manifestation what legally belongs to me in the covenant. In the same way, when we're talking about this area of increase and the blessing, there we, the reason that we preach it is to get it to you. If I wanted to get healing to you, I would have to preach it so that faith would come. If I want to get increase or prosperity or financial stability to you, it has to be preached so that you can receive it with your spirit because it's a spiritual spiritual supply. I I quoted this and a lot of of the nervous laughter um, showed me that other people also agreed with the way I used to interpret this verse. I said when I first heard the verse that God has supplied me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, I don't need the spiritual blessings. I need some money for gas in my car. (laughs) I need to buy groceries for my kids. You know, I don't need the spiritual blessings. Not realizing at that time that all of those spiritual blessings were the root provision of any natural blessing I would need. Now that I understand that, instead of me looking at need, and we talked about being supply-minded, if you missed that first session on the expect to increase, we've got to become supply-minded. We've got to be so conscious that God has already supplied every need before I can encounter it. I have not encountered a need. A need has never arisen in my life that God, that caught God off guard, that he didn't already have a provision in place because God is Jehovah Jireh, which means he sees in advance and provides. 
He's not just the provider. He's the provider who sees in advance. In other words, he doesn't have to pull it out of his pocket and try to fix it once the need arises. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, he's already put it there before you ever saw the need before you ever felt the need, before you ever recognized the need, God being Jehovah Jireh has already seen far in advance and provided it before you ever got there. The ram in the thicket was there before Abraham started walking up the mountain. It was already there. He would have never encountered it without his obedience. But because God was, is a faithful God and sees and provides in advance, he had provided a supply, and all Abraham had to do to encounter the supply was obey God. Amen? And so the need is never the first topic in our conversation with God. Because we are renewing our mind to recognize God has already supplied the need. I come to God and I talk about him. I talk about his provision. I talk about his supply. And then I receive the need met by his supply because of our covenant. Amen? So the preaching of the gospel, the declaration of the covenant provision is necessary to raise our faith up to the place where we can receive and walk in it. Amen? So he considered the gospel to be the answer to the problem that the poor people had. They probably thought they needed money. They thought, now, if, if Jesus, he should be giving money to the poor, but he was bringing the gospel to the poor. And it was the sign, it was one of the first ones listed here, the sign of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, is going to bring good news to the poor. What is good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. That's the good news. Why, why don't you have to be poor anymore? Why, why is no one who is in a place of poverty, why do they not have to be poor anymore? Because Jesus became poor for us so that we through his poverty would be rich. Jesus did that at the same time that he became sin for us, the same time he became a curse for us, the same time he took stripes on his back. In redemption, Jesus dealt with every area of our life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially. Every area is redeemed. My physical body is redeemed. My finances are redeemed. You know, when, when Moses told Pharaoh, we're not leaving a hoof behind in Egypt, that was prophetic for what Jesus was planning when he brought us out. God saying, we're not leaving a dollar bill behind in Egypt under the world system. We're bringing it all out under the blessing. We're, come, we're bringing it all out. We're bringing our kids out. We're bringing our grandkids out. We're bringing our marriages out. We're bringing our, our physical bodies out from under the curse. Every part of our life is redeemed from the curse. So the gospel to the poor is good news. You don't have to be poor anymore because Jesus became poor for you. Jesus took the curse of poverty for you. John chapter 10 Jesus makes the dividing line 
a lot of people have confusion about this dividing line. And they think God is responsible for issues and, and, and areas of turmoil and, and difficulty in their life. And they think God allowed it or God permitted it. But we found this morning that we should never say when we're tempted that we're tempted of God. Because God does not tempt anyone with evil. Amen? He doesn't, he doesn't put things on you to teach you a lesson. He, he knows how to teach you a lesson with his word. He said his word is profitable for instruction. That's how God corrects us with his word. That's how God instructs us. He teaches us. He enlightens us with his word. He doesn't, God doesn't need to use difficulties and bad things to teach us. And here's the, the confusion. Some people got into trouble and they turned to God and they turned to his word and they say, God, allow that to happen because look what I was able to learn and look at the strength that I was able to, um, to obtain because when the tragedy came, I turned to the word. Well, honey, you could have turned to the word without the tragedy and got the same strength and the same victory. And when, when the tragedy came or the difficulty came, you could have moved through it in a different way if you had just gotten in the word before. But then they confuse. They're confused. They think, well, I got, I, 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 went, I got attacked and I got in the word, so God must have allowed the attack so that I would get strong. That's like that little boy in England, Arkansas. His daddy had a, had a CB radio, one of the radios that was in, in connection with all of the um, uh, fire house, the fire department. Whenever they would get a call, he could pick it up on his radio. And, you know, England, Arkansas is... There's nothing to do in England, Arkansas. And so uh, it, they, the only, that was the fun, you know, follow the fire truck around. So he would put his little boy in the car and they would go watch the firemen put out the fires. And this little boy was tiny. He was, he was just, you know, he, he was in awe. He was watching the fire truck. He was watching everything. And one day, as time went on, he said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, why is this big red truck going all around town starting fires? He equated the fires because the truck was there to put it out. He just assumed that the truck started the fire and then put the fire out. And a lot of people think because God showed up and rescued them that God must have allowed it. Do you see the confusion in it? Hallelujah. We're not confused. We know there's a dividing line. Jesus made this a clear, a clear uh, differentiation between what he does and what the enemy does. And so in John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the only thing he's interested in. That's the, that's the method of operation of the adversary. That's what he's focused on doing. He comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it's not just physical. It's not just natural. If you read the parable of the sower, the wayside soil is the soil that he stole from. He came immediately and stole the word. The soil that was considered to be stony ground, it was the, the 
Sun came out and killed the plant. The adversity, the trouble, the difficulty came out and killed the plant because the plant didn't have a root system. And then the soil that is considered to be the thorny soil, it was the soil where he destroyed it. It started to grow. The word was growing. The word was producing. But the cares, worries, preoccupation with the world, the deceitfulness of riches, not riches, the deceitfulness, thinking money can fix my problem. If I had more money, I could fix it. No, I have a covenant. I have a covenant. That keeps me from being deceived by money. Amen? So the deceitfulness of riches and the craving or the desire for other things besides the word, those things, the enemy used them as tools to destroy the word. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's more concerned about killing and stealing, killing, and destroying the word in your life because if he can do that, then you have no resistance to be able to stop him from doing anything else. But you and I, we are not the wayside soil. I'm not looking at any thorny ground soil here in this place tonight. I'm not looking at any rocky ground, stony ground. No, no, no. I see good ground believers. I see believers who receive the word and they hold on to the word. They maintain it in their possession. They're in their possession. They're attending. I see you. You are the people who attend to the word. You incline your ear to hear it. You keep it in front of your eyes. You get it down in the midst of your heart. Hallelujah. And you, you good ground people are bringing forth a harvest of the word. Hallelujah. So we, we recognize what the enemy's after. He's after the word in my life. He's coming for the word's sake. But I'm not intimidated by him because Jesus has already made me more than a conqueror. He has given me the victory that overcomes Satan and everything in this world. He has already defeated Satan and given me the victory to maintain that defeat. Hallelujah. So when I read this, I do understand, though, what the enemy's after so that I can be in a position to resist him. The thief is, in, is, is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what has Jesus come to do? What is Jesus' objective? He said, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life. The new, um, the NLV says that they may have a great full life. The message Bible says a better life than they've ever dreamed of. Ooh, hallelujah. Jesus said, I have come that you would have a better life than you have ever dreamed of. The Wycliffe translation says that you may have life more plenteously. That you may have life more plenteously. The New International Reader's Version says it, life in the fullest possible way. And of course, one of our favorite is the Amplified. It says life to the full until it overflows. Life to the full until it overflows. So this is Jesus' desire for us. This is God's plan for us. He said in 3 John verse 2, he said, Beloved, 
I pray, I desire, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we see that this is our entire life. Not just prospering financially, but prospering in my emotions, prospering in my, in my mind so that I see things in line with the word of God. My mind is renewed, amen? My soul is restored. He restores my soul. That's talking about the prosperity for the soul. It's called restoration. So when we talk about prospering, it's not just talking about finances, although finances are included, but it's talking about every area of our life. Because there are some people who have lots of finances, but they are a mess. They're a mess in their life. The money has not given them all of the things that it promised to give them. It hasn't given them peace of mind. Only God can give us the peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Only God can give us a marriage made in heaven. Uh, There are things that money cannot buy. So money in and of itself is not an end all, but money is a part of the plan of God because it was designed to be in the hands of the righteous from the beginning. Money and and the system of, of wealth was God's original plan. Hallelujah. And it is still God's plan for us to operate, but it's going to be under the... Um, safety mechanisms, if you will, of the spirit. In other words, you're not going to operate in the increase of God with wrong motives, with selfishness. In order for us to be blessed, to be a blessing, we're going to have to mature as believers so that as the finances come, they can be directed towards the righteous purposes of our life. Amen? God's plan. So let's look at the increase that God has in mind, and let's start in Genesis. I'm going to start in Genesis 17, and we'll go back to chapter 12, because I know that's where we see uh, the uh, initial setting of the blessing in Abraham's place. But the increase of God, God has has a, a specific way to bring increase into our life, and it's called the blessing. The blessing of the Lord is something that is very serious in God's estimation. With every person he has ever engaged in a relationship with, he has initiated the blessing. He gave the blessing to Adam and Eve. It was the very first words they ever heard pronounced in their ears, the words of the blessing. With every person, there was a blessing for Noah. There was a blessing for for all of the different ones. In every covenant, there is an aspect of blessing. But in the Abrahamic covenant, there is the blessing that we have inherited. And this blessing that we have inherited, I want to look at uh, in verse 1 through 7 of Genesis 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And that word perfect means upright or sincere. 
Be sincere, be upright. In other words, keep this relationship as a serious uh, um, uh, importance to you. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Now, we could definitely say that, yes, God was talking about multiplying the lineage of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, his children, his grandchildren. But we also see from Scripture that God multiplied his his cows, and God multiplied his sheep, and God multiplied his donkeys, and God multiplied all of the things that would be considered assets or resources in his life. So it's an all-life all, all the areas of his life. It's not just one. It's not just talking about, I'm going to multiply your children. He said, I'm going to multiply you in every way. I will multiply you exceedingly. Hallelujah. Exceedingly. Who's going to? God said, I will. I will. I think you should circle that. I will. I will make my covenant. I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name anymore be called Abram, but, you, but, your, but your name shall be Abraham for a father of many nations have I made thee. Who made him? God made him a father of many nations. God says, I have multiplied you. I have made you a father of many nations. Verse six, and I will make you exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come out of you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. That's what sets the blessing that we have apart from what was in, in, in the covenant that God made with Noah, the covenant that God made with uh, various ones. When he set this up with Abraham, he said this is an everlasting covenant, and in this everlasting covenant is the blessing, and this blessing will be something that will not only be operating in your life, Abraham, but it's going to operate in your children's life. It's going to operate in your seed all throughout history. Those who are your heirs are going to receive of this promise. The promise is, I will multiply you. He said in verse 6, I will make you exceeding fruitful. Hallelujah. Exceeding fruitful. And then God said, establish. I'm going to establish. The word establish means to make steadfast. To make steadfast, firm or stable. To settle on a firm or permanent basis. To set or fix unalterably. I'll repeat that for those who are writing that definition down. Establish means to make steadfast, firm, or stable. To settle on a firm or permanent basis. 
to set or fix unalterably. God said, I'm making this covenant and it cannot be altered. God has had pastor on a flow teaching about the covenant and we have have learned some things about God. God can't lie, amen? God never changes. Well, his covenant of blessing that we have received is established, steadfast, firm, stable. It is settled on a permanent basis to us. And when, when we look at it that way, we begin to recognize that this is something that God did, and it's not just for me in this moment. I want us to recognize from a, a panoramic view the, the importance of our operating in this covenant so that we can be a blessing. God needs to get it to us so he can get it through us. Now, I know that sounds clichéic, but that's one of the most simplest terms to bring it down to. God wants to be an expression of goodness in this planet. He wants to be the the uh, good need meeting over and above cup running over supply of goodness. And it's not just to get it to us, but he wants us to become of that same nature. And I can't be a blessing if I've never been blessed. I can't be a blessing if I don't have anything to be a blessing with. So he has to bless me so I can be a blessing in his name. So do you see that this is not just about our immediate needs, although that is something that God, as our heavenly Father, desires to be the one to show us his system to operate his word so that our needs are always fully supplied. Is that what 2 Corinthians says? Always having all sufficiency in all things. That's the plan of God because it's in his word for us. Always having all sufficiency in all things. But then what? Then we abound to every good work. So it's not just having all sufficiency in all things so that you can say, whoo, got that out of the way. No, but it's having all sufficiency in all things so that when a good work arises, I can abound to it. So that we can start off the year and say, our entire television budget is paid for the whole year. Not in November, but in January. In January, we've already started out the year paid in full. Amen? We've already, so that we see the work, we see the need, we see the situation, and we say, I want to be a part of that. Why? Because I have all sufficiency in all things, and now I'm abounding to every good work. So we've got to see that there is a, a bigger picture in the covenant than just the, the immediate need. But I will be honest. The, in the beginning of my walk with God, my immediate needs were so overwhelming. <laughs> my immediate needs were so pressing. My immediate needs were so demanding that I couldn't see past just I just need enough to pay this. I just need enough to pay that. I'm just, because I couldn't see 
beyond that immediate need. It took me getting in the word and having it proclaimed, having it preached, having that expansion in my heart. And that's what I'm endeavoring to do tonight is expand your heart, expand your believing, to lift up your eyes so that you can see yourself being that Psalm 112 generous, righteous person who is always uh, distributing and giving and, 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 and not coming up short. But as soon as you give, oh my goodness, look, God has blessed me again. And, and so I've got my needs met, but now I can be a blessing. I've got my, my, my supply, but I want to be a supply. Amen? So this, this covenant is something that God wants us to take seriously. And I'm going to go back to Hebrews 6 because the more I look at Hebrews 6, the more I see an instruction in this verse. Not just an inspiration of, oh, praise God, that's for me. But I see an instruction of something I'm supposed to do here. Hebrews 6, let's look at verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So he's saying, I want you to be diligent about something you're expecting. I want you to be diligent about an eager expectation. I want you to to bring diligence to this. And then he says this in verse 12, and that you be not slothful. Have you ever seen a sloth? They are very slow. I was watching a vet show on Disney. And that these vets went out to work on a sloth. And I just thought it was a thing about cartoons that kind of, you know, over-exaggerated how slow a sloth was. Until I saw them working with this sloth. And this sloth took his hand off one branch and was going to reach for another. It looked like the animal was in slow motion. I thought... This was not just a cartoon exaggeration. That sloth really is the slowest animal I have ever seen. It literally took all, so slow to reach up and take that other branch. And the person who was assigned as the caretaker to feed the sloth says, Lunch takes a long time. They had to have patience just to feed that animal because it took so long for it to chew. And in mid, in mid, it, it, it would just fall asleep. In mid, you know, in the middle of doing something, it would just, it would just fall asleep. My goodness. That's where this word came from. The sloth and slothful, there is a connection. Don't be slow to respond. Don't be putting it off. Don't be taking your time. What did he say in the previous verse? Diligence. 
The verse above that was diligence. I want you to show diligence and don't be slow about this. Don't, don't take this as something that you could leave it or you could take it or leave it. No, no, no. I want you to be diligent and I want you to be quick, not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So sometimes we look at those promises as, you know, they're, they're just, you know, extras that God has given us. Oh, praise God. That's, that's a promise. But I see here a responsibility to receive it. That he wants us to bring our diligence and apply our faith and our patience. Patience is not a, 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 a um, hanging on or a putting off or a waiting. Patience is a, a consistency that helps you in your faith. It's the undergirding to your faith. And so he says, I want you to inherit these promises. And then he says the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, now this is what God wants me to inherit. This is what he says. I want you to bring your A game to this. Bring your A game and get serious and, and, and zone in on this. Show me that you've got an, an interest in inheriting Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. This is the specific promise that he brings out in the verse, and he's saying, I want you to inherit this. Well, this is the promise of the spirit that God made to Abraham that we see referred to in Galatians 3. It's ours by inheritance. Galatians 3 and verse 29 do I have anybody in the room tonight that is in Christ? I got some in Christ people. Praise God. Well, in Christ, it says you are Abraham's seed. If you be Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's the promise. He just read it to us in, in Hebrews. He just verbally expressed what the promise was. God swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. It's mine and yours by inheritance because God said I will establish it to you and your seed in their generations. Well, Abraham's not here. Abraham's not here today to receive the, the promise, but Abraham's lineage is here in this room tonight. We are Abraham's seed, and this is ours for the inheriting. So let's, to, to understand the blessing, this, this covenant provision, it's important for us to understand what the word bless means. So we'll go back to Genesis 12, and we'll see it in this uh, initiation of the covenant, Genesis 12, we're talking about increase. The blessing is God's instrument for increase. This is how God increases. The blessing is how God increases us. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you 
and I will make, I will make of you, I will make of you a great nation, and I will, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless you, and as a result of my blessing coming on you, you will become a blessing. Now, this word bless means empower to prosper, empower to multiply, empower to increase, or empower to excel and rise above. Empower to prosper, to multiply, to increase, to excel and rise above. I want to think about that word empower for a minute though because we the, a lot of times it becomes another clichéic word. Oh, empower to prosper, empower to prosper. But think about the word empower. If God is putting in us the power. When he says, I'm going to empower you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to empower, it is a transmission of power. It is, it is a download of power into your spirit that you didn't have before you got blessed. But with the, because of the blessing, and God used words to transmit the blessing, he said, I bless you. He would have the, the high priests declare the blessing over the people because God wanted those words active in their life. Amen? He said that the blessing is stronger than the curse, so bless those who curse you. Why? Because the words of blessing will destroy and defeat the words, the evil things that people speak against you. Because there's power in the words. There's an empowerment. There's a, a provision, a, an, a, a, a transfusion of power through the blessing into our lives. Hallelujah. So that empowerment means that I'm not trying to make this happen. I'm, yes, I'm going to use the wisdom that God gives me in my spending. You know, when God brought us out of debt, one of the first things he did was give me wisdom about spending. Because the reason I was in the, the condition I was in, because I had made choices that were not wisdom. We bought a car that, oh, do you see me shaking my head? It's just like, we both walked out of there saying, what did we just do? That was the stupidest purchase we've ever made in our lives. We knew it. It was just like the pressure of the moment, and we had to have a second car, and the, they lied on the, the, the advertisement and said we could get this, and when we went in, they said, oh, well, you can't get this, but you can get this, and it's going to cost this much and this much payment, and we ended up upside down in that car. I mean, it, it, and when God brought us out of debt, we were just like, sell it at auction. We're going to believe God to get blue book value. I don't care how much we have to pay. We're getting out from that ridiculous choice we made. And sure enough, they sold it at auction, and we had released our faith for them to give us blue book value on it. We were still upside down a few thousand dollars, and, and uh, we made the payments to get out of it because that lack of wisdom. So God began to give us wisdom about spending and wisdom about saving. 
So it's not just about all this money's going to come flooding in. If money comes flooding in and we don't have wisdom, we're going to be right back in the same mess. So when Proverbs talks about durable riches, so God's just not going to throw money at foolishness. He's not going to throw money at carnal spending. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at anybody in this room. You see me? I'm just, I, I'm just, this is just a basic, God's not going to throw money at carnal spending. God's not going to throw money at, at wastefulness and, and, and oh, I'm believing for a blessing. I'm believing for a blessing, but you're eating out with all of your money. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about the power to increase, the increase coming, and it's going to come with wisdom. It's going to come with spiritual maturity. Part of the the thing that God works in us as we begin working God's financial system and the blessing on God's financial system, we grow in maturity, and we are not foolish with the resources and the assets, and we began to see things not from a carnal perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. Amen? We, we recognize the importance to put God first. If I'm putting God first, that is a major, major part of financial stability. Because if I'm putting God first, guess who I'm not putting first? Me. Amen? And a lot of the times that people have got into financial trouble is because they put a, 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 a momentary need. They thought, oh, I got to have that, the impulse buying. Or, oh, I just need a break, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend $500 on this. Or, oh, I'm just, I'm lusting for that new device. I'm, I'm just got to have that new thing. And those are, and then after you get it, you're like, I hate this thing. I'm having to make these stupid payments on it, and I don't even know it. Have you ever worn an outfit and worn it out, and you're still making payments on it? (laughs) Am I the only foolish person who ever purchased something, and I wore it out before I paid it off? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Wisdom. Hallelujah. So the blessing is an empowerment to prosper. And he said, I will bless you. So this this supernatural ability of God that comes upon and begins to operate in our life is the blessing and the amplified. Show me the amplified of verse 2. The amplified says, I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. Abundant increase of favors. Hallelujah. So this is not winning the lottery. This is not a sudden windfall of money that comes into our life. The blessing is incremental. The way the blessing works, when you begin to look at Now, we can't look at Adam because Adam got the blessing, but he didn't stay with it. He did not stay in a place where the blessing could operate, but Abraham did. And it says of Abraham that Abraham, in verse the very next chapter, it says, Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. 
And then a few chapters later, at the end of his life, there was a testimony of one of the servants who worked for Abraham who said, the Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become rich. And he began to to talk about the assets that he had. But he didn't start that way. It wasn't a sudden windfall. It didn't happen overnight. It was day by day, increase by increase, Isaac is another example. Let's go ahead and let's back up and look at these examples of those who have been. Genesis 13 is where we see in verse 2, Abraham, Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. Well, he left Gerar with nothing, right? And here he is in one, one chapter of the blessing on his life, and he's rich. And then it says, that in that same chapter, that he and Lot could not stay in the same place, verse 6, the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Well, that happened over time. Then we see in uh, Genesis, I think I want 24, 1, Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. Same chapter, verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he is become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. So he's talking about the natural aspect of the blessing. We know that's not the only thing, but it is a a part of the blessing. And it says God did that. God did that, but it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't one sudden thing that happened. And then chapter 26, so we saw how, how the blessing worked for Abraham. What about his son, Isaac? Isaac had to walk with God himself. And so here he finds himself in chapter 26 and God tells him, do not go down to, the, uh, uh, to Egypt. I want you to stay here. Even though there's a famine in the land, there's no rain, there are no crops, but God tells him, I want you to stay here. He said in verse three, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. So God is now offering the same blessing, but here we see Isaac had to participate just like we have to, through faith and patience, we have a part to play to inherit the promise. We have a participation in the blessing. This is what Isaac did. God gave him an instruction, and so for him to act on that instruction, verse 12 says, Isaac sowed in the land. Well, why would you sow in a land where there's no rain? Why would you sow in a land where nobody else's crops are growing? Why are you going to take your precious seed and put it in the dirt when there's no rain? Because God said he would bless me. He told me to stay here. I'm not going to stay here and do nothing. If he told me to stay here, I'm going to do what I would do if there was rain. If there wasn't their famine, I would be sowing right now. So I might as well, y'all get the seed out. We're going to dig this ground up. We're going to sow the seed. 
Why? Because God told me to stay here and he said he would bless me. He would empower me to prosper. So if I put my hand to sowing, God's going to empower the sowing and I'll be reaping. So it was an act of faith. It was him acting on the word. And it says that he sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Well, that was the beginning. He did receive a hundredfold off of that, but that wasn't the only thing. That wasn't a windfall. That wasn't a winning of the lottery. That was God blessing the work of his hand. And But then it says, the man waxed great. Now, we don't use, only Daryl uses that. Brother Daryl, he likes that. When I ask Brother Daryl, how are you doing waxing great? Thank you. Most of us don't normally use the word waxing great, but I want to help you today because the idea behind this word is the same method that we would use if we were going to make a candle. We would take a wick and we would dip it in hot wax and we would pull it out. And then we would let it cool and we would re-dip it and pull it out. And then we would re-dip it and pull it out. And every time we wax it, it comes out thicker. It comes out with more substance to it. And every time the blessing, you're waxing. With each application, with each operation, with each doing of the word, with each tithing and God opening the windows of heaven and pouring you out a blessing, you're waxing. You're waxing, you're waxing, and substance is building, and increase is building. You're waxing great. Do you see? It's not a one-time get-rich-quick. It is a walking in the blessing. It is the blessing having an incremental, continual increase upon your life. Waxing. So it says that God blessed him and the man waxed great. God blessed him and the man waxed great. And that's, that's you. God's blessing you and you're waxing great. You're waxing. Little by little, every day, God is increasing you. He shall increase you more and more. Is that what Psalm 115? Have we been feeding on Psalm 115? The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. More and more. That's waxing. Not all at one time, because this is a, a walk of faith. This is a daily walking with God. And, and this is the maturing, as you walk with God and you grow with God and you're waxing, as you increase, your spirit is increasing. Your wisdom is increasing. Do you see the plan of God is for you to increase and be stable in the increase? That's durable riches, riches that remain. So this empowerment to prosper is a gradual, incremental continual activity of the blessing in our lives. So he went forward and grew until he became very great. Now, we read the testimony from Abraham's life. That was at the end. That was at the end. 
The final result of what the blessing, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And God wants that to be the testimony of your life too. The Lord has blessed me greatly. That I have, I have waxed great. I move forward, progress in my life, and I grow until I become very great. Hallelujah. The, there are a few conditions I want to talk about to help us understand the, the um, actions that are in our doing, in our part. The first thing for us as we are walking with God in this blessing and waxing great is the first thing is we've got to believe in the blessing. You know, Hebrews says in chapter 11 that uh, we must believe that God is and we've got to believe that God is a rewarder. Isn't that true? So there are some uh, uh, the, the, our faith is required to believe and receive everything that God has for us. For us to get born again, we have to believe with our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we have to use our mouth, that's our faith, in operation in the heart, in the mouth. We have to declare that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph were all aware of the blessing, and they acknowledged it. They, even Abraham said, he said, I am not going to take the, the money that I have earned, that I have gained from this victory over these kings. I'm going to give it back because no one else will be able to say they made Abraham rich except God. God is the one who's blessing me. He was acknowledging God as the source of the blessing in his life. Hebrews chapter 4 says that we have the gospel preached unto us, but that's not the end, is it? Hebrews 4, I want to read verse 1 and verse 2. Would anybody be offended if I asked them to turn the air back on? Thank you. Could I get the air back on? Verse 1, let us therefore fear or have respect or be, be serious, lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So let us take this seriously. Let us be on guard against this. Let us, let us be aware so that a promise doesn't, that we don't fall short of any of the promises of God. Is that what it says? This is a New Testament warning. Let us be on guard. Let us be respectful and honorable of God so that we do not let the promise fall short in our life. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. The word preached did not profit them. Why? Because they didn't mix faith with it. So someone can say, well, you know, in my church, we don't believe that God still heals. Well, God's not going to embarrass you with the healing. If you don't believe that he'll heal, he's not going to go, why did God do that? 
If you don't believe it, you can't receive it. And so there are a lot of people who aren't experiencing things, and they think it's because it's passed away. Well, you know, that tongues is for another time. It wasn't for... Because it's never... If it was preached to them, they didn't mix faith with it. And they said, well, in my denomination, it's not for us. And because they don't believe it, they can't experience it. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. So how we believe affects what we receive. That's why we've got to let the word tell us what we believe. Not, not tradition, not other people's experiences. The word of God, if it is in the word, if it comes from the word, I'm going, it'll build my faith. And so believing is, is our responsibility to receiving. We can't blame it on God and say, God, why didn't you ever give me that? If it's in our covenant, it's, he has given it. We've got to build our faith to receive it. There have been things that God has asked of me, and when he asked it of me, I didn't have faith for it. I had to go get some faith and put it in my mouth and put it in my heart and start strengthening my faith so that I could believe that. When God told me to increase, when he first told me, and I was telling him how much money he needed to give us for us to do what he was telling us to do with planting the other campus and, and to be on television in two languages. And I was telling God, you need to give us more money. And he said, no, Michelle, you must increase. Me? You see, I want you to give it to me. And he said, he has given it. All the needs are supplied. It's there in the kingdom. It's supplied in the promise. It's in it's in the exceeding great and precious promises that he's given me. I've got to pull it out of the promise realm by mixing faith with the word so that it comes into manifestation in my life. Hallelujah. So number one, we've got to believe in the blessing. And I'll go back again to something that I touched on. And, and this, I will tell you, I will be transparent. Part of the reason that I am feeding you this way is because the news is trying to feed you something else. And this is your inoculation. This is to protect you from fear of high gas prices. We do not fear the price of anything. I said what I said about the gas prices, and, and I'll just, for in case any of you didn't hear me, let me just go ahead and repeat it. I had been seeing different comments on, on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. When I'm up posting some of the stuff for our announcements or whatever, I would see, and they were supposed to be funny. It was as if they were joking, like a car flipped upside down and said the car fainted when it saw the gas price or a picture of somebody's car being pulled by a horse or, or yeah, I saw somebody say something about the reason that Jesus and everybody's going to come back on, the, on, the, on a white horse and that we're all going to be riding horses is because of the gas prices and, and they mean it to be funny, I think. 
But I traveled up here two weeks ago, and I had seen a couple of those things, and it was, of course, the, all of the news and everything. And I'm, I'm there at the gas pump about to fill up my car, and I almost, I was reaching for the middle. I always put premium in because of the kind of engine that I have. I've been told by the mechanics it's going to be better if you use premium gas. It's going to keep your car running better for longer. I almost reached down and picked something else because of the price. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you compromise now, where is it going to stop? And I repented and said, Lord, the thought, came to me because of what I saw. Because it was what's been talked about. And I thought, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. How long has God been working with me to move me away from making a decision based on money? To being led by a price or a deal. He's, had, he's been working on me for years to move me away from that mindset. And just because of certain reports that I had seen or people's posts that I had seen, it put the thought in there that I almost acted on. And I re recognized then that wasn't funny. That was a trap. Those things were designed not by the people. There was nothing malicious in the people that posted it. But the ulterior thought behind it is the enemy trying to bring fear. I told pastor at the beginning of all of the corona different things and, and the lockdown, I said, what we're going to have to deal with more than anything is the harvest of fear that people are going to have. And, and it's gone from one fear to another. It went from the fear of the coronavirus to the fear of the vaccine to the fear of the, uh, all of the political part of it. And then now we've got the, what's going on in the world with the Ukraine and the Russia and, and the fear of that. And now it's about, it, it used to be fear of not having enough toilet paper. Now it's fear of, of high gas prices. And, 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 but if, where do we stop? If I allow the fear there... So we got to be supply-minded. We're not in, in this world system. We're in the kingdom system. And, and God, none of this has caught God off guard. He's already made a provision for you. If you have to pay $10 a gallon, fill it up and know that God knew before I reached this place that I would need to pay $10 a gallon and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches, not according to the gas prices, according to his riches and glory. This is the victory that overcomes the gas prices or whatever other situation may be, even our faith. So this is why we're talking about the blessing. This is our inheritance. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am not under the control of whatever prices in the world system. I am in the kingdom system and I've got to renew my mind now to it so that I'm not moved and there is no fear that comes up in me when anything is on report on the news.
Amen? I've got to believe in the blessing. I've got to believe in the blessing. And I've got to take the word and mix faith with it. Say this with me. I am blessed. It's not just a song we sing. It's not just a cliche. And it's not just something cute or, or something about, your, about you having a, a thing or a certain kind of anything. No, you are empowered to prosper in putting groceries in your cabinets. You are empowered to prosper in putting money in your savings account. You are empowered to prosper in, in whatever financial endeavor you need to do. You're empowered to prosper to have a good, reliable, nice car. You are empowered to prosper. So we've got to see that, and it's not up and down based on what's happening around us. We've got to mix faith with the word, and we've got to see ourselves as recipients of the blessings and heirs of Abraham. We are the heirs of Abraham on the earth. We are the heirs of Abraham on the earth. And the blessing is our inheritance. You wouldn't be embarrassed about getting your inheritance. In the natural, you know, when my father moved to heaven and he left the inheritance that he left for me, it wasn't anything super big, but I, I, I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, no, that, my, that's, my father left that to me, right? Well, your heavenly father has made you an heir. Amen. And you don't get it when you get to heaven. You won't need it when you get to heaven. I mean, there's parts of it we will have in heaven, but there's a part of it that's only good for you here. Amen. There's part of it that is intended to be your supply here and now. Hallelujah. So this is why we've got to become supply-minded. We've got to increase because we are, are the, we are the heirs of God and we are also the hands of God and the heart of God on the earth. We are the representation of the blessing to others. So believe in the blessing. Number two, obey God. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28. And I may not get any farther than this. So we're going to believe in the blessing and we're going to obey God. Amen. And this is like the safety mechanism. You know, when you have a weapon, uh, a, 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 a gun or a pistol or a, a rifle, they have a safety on it. And that's so that someone who is uh, not skilled doesn't get hurt with it, Right? So that it's, it doesn't become something dangerous because it has a purpose, but in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use it, it could become dangerous. Well, there's a safety on the blessing. There's a safety on the blessing. And so uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings 
shall come on you and overtake you if, see the safety, if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. So the blessings are not going to operate in a life of disobedience. We don't have to worry about somebody getting too much of the blessing that it, it, if it, and saying, well, you know, that blessing just ruined them. No, the blessing can't ruin anybody because it won't work in disobedience. It works as we obey God, we're waxing great. But when we walk away from God, the, it, it's not God punishing us, but we've just moved out of the place where the blessing can flow if we're in disobedience. So he said, hearken diligently. Observe to do. Observe to do. Look with, uh, with me at Leviticus. Look at Leviticus the way it says it in Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26, verse 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you will eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Well, this is all talking about the blessing. It goes all the way down and in verse 9, he says, I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. So this is, in a sense, some of the same verbiage that he used to describe in Deuteronomy 28. But in both Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, the condition is that we be doers of his word that we are acting on his word. Jesus said it in a similar fashion in Luke 6. Can you go with me to Luke 6? And let's look at verse 46. Jesus said, Why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. How was it founded? By being a doer of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just so that we have all of the nails that need to go in uh, to secure that, let's look at James chapter 1 and verse 22. For be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. He beholds himself and goes his way and straightaway forgets what manner of man he was. But that's not you. You're not the one who is just hearing it. You are hearing and doing. 
you are the one in verse 25. Whoever looks into the word, the perfect law of liberty, and continues, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. So the blessing is in our lives, and it has a continual operation as we continue to obey the word of God. Hallelujah. So God provides the blessing. It's his desire, but we participate by believing in the blessing and being a doer of the word so that the blessing has, a, has its rightful flow in our lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, the blessing. Willing and obedient. Hallelujah. The increase that God has for us will come through the blessing. God doesn't have another way to increase us. The blessing is the way God has chosen. And it is that way because it's the healthy way for us. If we'll operate in the blessing, which requires our our obedience, requires us to be doers of the word, then we're going to grow and be stronger. Not just get money. You know, God getting money to us is not the most important thing to him. If that was the case, he could just, you know, line us up and and have a handout of money. He wants us to get his heart. He wants us to know his ways. Isn't that what he said? He said, he said, I will teach you. I will teach you to profit. I will lead you in the way that you should go. And he, that, he was saying, I, I wanted to do that. Oh, if you would have just hearkened to me, the next verse says. He said about the children of Israel in Hebrews chapter 3, he said, they have erred in their heart because they don't know my ways. God's not only interested in getting money to us. He's more interested in getting his ways into our heart. It's the difference between giving us a fish and teaching us how to fish. You heard that old proverb? God wants us to know his ways because we are going to live with him for eternity. Long after the American dollar has gone by the way of the wind and fire. But... Long after the American system, the American dollar or the world system has gone away, the ways of God will still be in our heart. The ways of God are are things that are eternal values, more important than just money. And the blessing helps us learn his ways. Amen? Praise God. Father, we desire to increase with your increase. Lord, we're not interested in worldly increase that is temporary. But Lord, we want to bring all of our lives, not just our finances, but everything in our life into the blessing. Show us, Father, how to operate in the fullness of the blessing. Show us, Father, 
teach us to profit and show us the way we should go. And we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Did you receive tonight?